Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. remain standing for our scripture reading today. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. This is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word became flesh in Jesus Christ. And we pray that your word would dwell richly in our hearts this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, it is a, a new year, which means it is time for, for people to make New Year's resolutions. Um, I, I learned that about half of Americans will, will make a New Year's resolution. Did you make a new, anybody in here make a New Year's resolution? Uh, some of you are like, yeah, maybe. Some of you are like, I did, but I've already broke it. Um, right? Uh, we're just five days in and it's too late. I actually learned that, that 92% of New Year's resolutions fail, all right? So if half the people make it and 92% of people who do make it fail, it means that only 4% of us will actually be better in 2020 than we were in 2019. Why are we so awful at doing things we want to do? Why is it whenever we we know that something needs to change and, and we desire to change it, we know it'll be good for us, that we are unable to successfully make the change, even with resources and a plan and all sorts of things, at our perspective. And I think it really, a lot of times, comes down to willpower, is that we don't have the willpower that we hope we would or that we believe that we could. Um, I shared some of my story in October about some of my struggles with an addiction, and, and part of my story was having this belief that I could change my behavior if I wanted to and when I was ready. I think that's a lot of us, that we think, well, we can change it if we just think hard enough, or if we just believe hard enough, or if we just do enough. In fact, we we live our lives, I think, a lot like the little engine that could, right? That we go and we say, we think we can, we think we can, we think we can, but instead of cresting over the hill, we fall back all the way back down. And this is what happens to us, is we think that we can accomplish anything we put our mind to, But for some reason, 92% of the time with these New Year's resolutions, these things we really want to change, 
We are unable to. What have you tried to change, hoped to change, but have failed to be able to do so? And how have you struggled with your own willpower? Now, I think part of, of this whole goal is really delayed gratification. Whatever it is that you're, you're struggling with, um, that, that you know that there's a better future out there, but how do I get through the difficult thing now to get to the better thing later? How do I do that? How do I do the difficult thing now so that I can get the better, the more preferable future then? And so for us as people, we, we have this great example to look at, and his name is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it gives us this great scripture, and it tells us this. It says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now, it's interesting what it said. He didn't say he enjoyed the cross. It says he endured the cross. It wasn't something, Jesus was not looking forward to suffering and to dying on the cross. In fact, it wasn't what he wanted to do. Now, the scripture that we read comes really in one of the most pivotal moments in, in Jesus' life. And so it, it happens uh, later on this year. We're going to celebrate Monday, Monday, Thursday, which is Jesus' last supper with his disciples. Now, this was a huge night in Jesus' life because this was the night that he washed his disciples' feet. This was the night in which Judas left early because Judas went to betray him. It was the, the night that Jesus shared this meal with his disciples. He took bread and he broke the bread. And he took the cup and he, and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And it was so this night that our scripture came into being. Now, as, as I read scripture, and maybe some of you, you have this goal to, to read through the Bible in a year. And so um, you might be, what, is that Genesis 15 or 16 right about now? Um, I'll, I'll pray for you all in about a month, all right, when you're in Leviticus and Numbers and in that rough part. But any time that, that I read scripture, I, I look for things, uh, I like to read it slowly, because sometimes there are things that stand out um, that maybe I hadn't noticed before. And so what I want to do is I want to just point out some things that as I was reading this text that stood out to me about Jesus' life and pattern and what we can learn if we have a goal ahead of us, whatever that goal might be, how do we get to that goal by going through the difficult things? Now, the first thing it says, and this is verse 39, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. Now, that, that phrase, as was his custom, is really important because um, what I've learned is that willpower can help us do some things, but the best things we do are the habits, as was our customs. And so what, what was Jesus' custom was to go out and pray now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I feel stress and anxiety, while I know I should pray, that is not my go-to thing. In fact, uh, there are lots of things that, that we do to, to self-medicate, to do things to take away the pain, but don't really help us to get better. Um, and so maybe, maybe your custom is not to go and find a quiet place to pray, but it's to go to the bottle that you have stored away. Maybe your custom, and there's so many in Oklahoma right now who struggle with the opioid um, addiction, is to take these painkillers to null the pain. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's going to, to Taco Bell and getting some food. Maybe it's to just get on your phone and to play a game and to avoid life altogether. We all have that when we find ourselves stressed, we get accustomed. And what you're accustomed to is what you go to. 
And here's what Jesus' custom was, was to go to the Father. Where do you go? And how do we change our custom? And so as was his custom, he went to pray. May we be people who do the same. And what did he tell his disciples to pray? It's really interesting in verse 40. He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is what he wants us to do, is to to avoid temptation. Sometimes we're so worried about the end goal of where we want to go that we forget that the first step is to lead us not into temptation. And so whatever it is that we struggle with, that that becomes our prayer, that we acknowledge that we need help and that we pray that that we would not be led and entered into temptation temptation. Now I'm going to skip um, verse 42 and 43 for right now, but I want to skip ahead to verse 44 because it really is is quite an interesting part of this text to me. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Now what does earnest prayer look like for Jesus? And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now if that is earnest prayer, I have never prayed earnestly in my life, all right? That's sort of a high bar of of what prayer will will be like, but I think so often for us, prayer just seems sort of ritual, and um, Lord, help me out, Um, you know, can you get me out of this, da-da-da, amen, and we move on about our day. But there is something to this idea of earnest prayer, that God invites us to passionate prayer. Um, One of my favorite quotes comes from a professor by the name of, of George Hunter, and this is what he said. He said, we think that we are rational creatures who every once in a while get emotional. He said the truth is, we are emotional creatures who every once in a while have the ability to be rational. And I think there's so much truth to that. And so because of that, I think this idea of praying more earnestly means we don't just pray with our mouths, but we have to pray with our beings, with our heart. It is okay to pray passionately, to pour out your heart to God. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to, to go to South Korea, and I went to the largest Methodist church in the world, and, and one of the things that a lot of the South Korean churches do is they have prayer meetings every day, one at 6 o'clock and one at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, they were nice to us Westerners, and so they didn't make us go to the 6 o'clock one, but we went to the 7 o'clock one. And in a, a room bigger than this um, that was filled at 7 o'clock in the morning, we had a prayer service. Now, um, what would happen is they would start with a couple of songs, and then they, would, they were just preaching through the Bible, and so they would, somebody brought a sermon, and then the last 30 minutes or so was praying. Now, when, when I, most of the time when I pray with people, it's um, kind of orderly. We like our order. We're Methodists for reasons, right? And so, um, you know, one person prays at a time. That's, what, that's the way I'm used to it, all right? But, but that's not what happened in South Korea because they started prayer time and they had warned us of what was going to happen because they would start praying and like everybody was praying and there was just this volume that was happening as the whole room was filled with people who were praying out loud. And it's kind of like at a sporting event when like one person's cheering then the other people like it just builds in volume and that's what it was like. It was this surreal experience of prayer. Now, now, praying loud doesn't necessarily mean you pray fervently, all right? But, but it is part of the heart's effort to pray more earnestly. And I think that's what God wants, is that he wants us to be people who pray earnestly and to go with our whole hearts and not just part of the way. He wants us to go all in and to pray more earnestly. Would your prayer life be described as earnest? Do you pour out your heart to God? 
Or do you just say some words because you think that's the right thing to do? Now, what's interesting to me in this scripture, too, is is that Jesus apparently prays for a significant period of time. He prays for multiple periods of time, actually, but we only get one sentence of what he prayed, but it really is such an impactful sentence. When Steve and Judy Swift were here for our Holy Spirit weekend, they called this the second Lord's Prayer, and I love the way this emphasized how Jesus continues to teach us to pray, because this is what he said. He said, Father, if you are willing Remove this cup from me. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Jesus' will, what his desire, was not to suffer and to die. And this tells me that we can be honest with God in our prayers. That we can say, Lord, this is not what I want to have happen. This This is what I desire to happen. God wants us to bring our hearts and our desires. Um, as some of you, you know, I, again, we've been here since June and, and really loved our, our time here in Mustang, but that was not what our plan was. And in fact, uh, last, last spring, uh, our prayer was, Lord, if you are willing, let us stay in Tulsa. Let us continue our life that was there. That is where we wanted to be. If you are willing, this is our desire. And I think God wants us to bring our desires. But here's the thing is that God's will is better for us than our will. And that's what Jesus knew. And so we prayed this prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Can you imagine Jesus repeating some version of this prayer? Lord, if, Father, if there's any other way to do this, if there's any other way to save the world, I want to be a part of that. But Lord, if this is the way, Father, if this is the path, not my will, but yours be done. And so for Heather and I, that became our prayer, is that it's not about what, what we wanted, but it's about God's will. Are we going to be open to what God's will is in our life? Are we willing to take our crowns off and to let God be the true Lord of our life? Now, we, we don't live in a lordship world currently. I've, I haven't heard any of you call anybody else Lord around here. But, but in Jesus' day, there were lords, and the Lord was the person who could tell you what to do, and you would do it. And, and, and that's a great power that we bestow. But often, we want Jesus as our Savior to save us from our sins, but we don't want him as our Lord to tell us what to do and the way to do it. But Jesus is the package deal. He is our Savior who saves us, and he's our Lord who leads us. And where God leads us, he walks with us. Because I don't know if you picked this up, but verse 43, right after he got done praying that prayer, it says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Is that whenever we submit our will to God and we open ourselves, when we generously give our will and surrender to God, God will provide the strength we need to walk the path. And so Jesus could not have walked the path of Calvary to the cross unless God the Father had strengthened him for the journey. But yet you and I struggle to do God's will. And I think it's because of a couple of reasons. The first is because we believe this lie. Now we don't always say it out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud, is that we believe that, that my will is better than God's will. We think, you know what, God, you may be the, the ruler of the universe. You may have spoken the words in the world into existence. You may have sent your son to die for us, but I know better what to do with my life than you do. I had a pastor who, who one time told us, why don't you just tell God you don't trust him? 
Because that's how sometimes we live our life, is with this lie that my will is better than God's will. Uh, I had somebody who, um, who they, 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 they talked to me after the service, and they said, well, I don't quite do that, but here's what I do, is that I tell God, I know he's busy, so I figured everything out for you, God, and I'm going to do it this way. But here's what we have to believe, is that, is that we have to trust that God's best is best for us. It's like Belinda was saying, is, is for kids, as parents, they have to trust that their parents um, have their best interest at heart. And we have to trust that God's will is better than our will. We may have things that we want, but we need to open ourselves. God, can we, can we give you our will? Can we give you, can we trust you that what you want for us is the best way? And that was something that, that Heather and I have, have even experienced with our move here is that we had to trust that this is what God's will, that God's plan for us, and that he was going to work and mold us, and we found that to be true. Now, the second lie that we often believe is this, is that my way is better than God's way. Sometimes we'll say, okay, God, I'll do your thing, but I'm going to do it my way. You, I'll, I'll do this thing, even though I don't want to, but I've got to do it my way, and we put all these stipulations And what we have to trust is that when we surrender, when we say, God, it's your will, we also need to say, and I'm going to do it your way. We live in a world in which we can have it your way, in which we can modify and customize everything, but we cannot modify and customize God's will for our life. What God wants to do is say, here, are your hands open to take this? But so much of of our lives, we live closed-fisted, but the generous life is the open-handed life that says, God, I'm going to give you this, and then we wait to receive God's promises and goodness. And so the reason why New Year's resolutions fail is because we take everything out of the picture, and we want to do our will, our way, and our time. But yet what we need is to do God's will in God's way, because you and I do not have the strength to do it. You and I can't do it. Jesus couldn't do it. Why do we think we can do it? And so our prayer has to continually be, your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And and, and it has to be something that happens again and again and again, because we don't have the strength to do it ourselves. We have to continually give our will and say, Lord, can you help me? And again, what happened? The angel strengthened him. So one of the things that, that Methodists and, and Wesleyans, people who come who follow John Wesley's teachings with the United Methodist Church is part of, is that we've had this practice called the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer for many, many years. All right, and so when you got your bulletin, you should have gotten this. And I'm going to invite us to this practice. Um, and what I want to invite you to do is, is to practice these words, these, this liturgy, Every day for the month of of January, I want you to make it a custom that you pray for this. And so we have these cards. If you didn't get one, we have extra ones um, in the back. But I want you to pray this prayer every day. So you might want to hang this up on your mirror in the bathroom, put it on your dashboard, put it next to your bed, put it somewhere where you're going to see it, and find a custom for you to pray this prayer. Because there's such richness in this gift that God has given us. This is the long version of Jesus' short prayer, not my will but yours be done. And let me just walk through this prayer because I think there's so much goodness that it has for us. It starts out this way. It says, I am no longer my own but yours. 
This is about generosity. It's about saying, it's not about my life, but Lord, I'm giving you my life. I give my life to you, and then God gives it back to us, enriched and better. I am no longer my own, but yours. Goes on to say, and really it opens the scope, put me to what you will, rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low by you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. We can emphasize that one, right? Let me have nothing. I freely and fully yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. Do you hear those words? Now, I think what, what happens is, is that sometimes when we pray this, we're not ready to really pray it. I, we, we might say, I freely and fully yield most things, some things, right? The, the joke uh, I've seen sometimes with pastors is that we really should change the lyrics to I surrender all to I surrender some, right? Because that's probably more accurate. Right? But here it asks us, I freely and fully yield all things. And if you're not ready to yield all aspects of your life, I still invite you to pray this and, and, and with the hopes that you can become this. The, the parts of our life in which we don't want God involved in are really the parts where we need God the most. And so there are sometimes, maybe there's something in our life and we say, God, you can have all this, but you can't have this room. I freely and fully yield all things because that's the only way this room is gonna get cleaned. To your pleasure and disposal, your will, your way. And now, glorious, blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. We're making this covenant with God, so be it. And this covenant which I have made on earth, let it be confirmed in heaven. And so what I invite us to do is during the rest of this month of January is to pray this prayer. Find a custom, find a rhythm, and pray it. And when you pray it, pray it earnestly. Don't just say the words, and there'll be some days where you just say the words. But there will be other days in which you'll say it from your heart and you'll let it be that way. Now, some of you may be, may be struggling. God, can I really pray this? Can I really mean it? Can, can, and maybe you've uh, been burned or you've lacked trust. I remember talking to a friend of mine um, and, and, and he was struggling. And I said, can you just trust God just for this week? Like, I'm not asking you to trust God forever. Can you just trust God for this week? That, that, that we, you just submit yourself to God and say, God, what do you want to do today? How, how would you have me react to this person? How, what, what, do you, what do you want me to do? And so I, I talked to him a week later, and he said, well, God didn't screw up my week yet. This is the way it happens. One day at a time, one week at a time, can we submit to God everything? And so what I'm going to invite us to do is to, to pray this prayer. Um, together, the, the words are going to be bigger on the screen for you. Um, and we're going to pray this, and, and then it's going to be our pattern for this month, is to open ourselves that we're going to be generous with our will, and we're going to surrender to God. So let us join in this time of prayer, and let us pray together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low by you. Let me be full, let me be empty. 
Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be confirmed in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. God, we do pray that your covenant that we just made, Lord, may they not be words, but Lord, we just pray. And, we, and, and Lord, I, I hope that we become people who pray more earnestly. That, 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 that church and that faith and that following you is not just one of the things that we do, but it is, it is what orients our life. And so, Lord, there are things that we struggle to surrender to you. And there are things that, that we want to hold on to, and, and we want our will, our way. But God, um, today, Lord, even if it's just today, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, so we pray that not our will, but yours be done. So Lord, we give up control, and we generously give it to you. We give our life to you. We give our struggles to you. We give our sins to you, our addictions to you, our unhealthy ways of responding to you. We, give, we even give our goals and we say, God, what are your goals for me? I don't, want, I don't want my New Year's resolution. I want what is your hope for me? And so we give ourselves to you, trusting you and trusting that your will and your way is what God has for us. And it is the best way to live. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.